Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Welcome to Bedtime Stories with R.A. Spratt. Today's story is a Friday Barnes tale, and it's the case of the stolen sandwich. Friday was sitting in English at the back of her classroom, practising forging the signature of the president of the school council. She was supposed to be reading that week's set text, The Dummy's Guide to Mandarin. Their English teacher, Mrs Cannon, was going to China for her holiday, so she wanted her class to learn Chinese Mandarin so they could help her practise. Learning Chinese might seem like an odd way to teach English, but Mrs Cannon argued that the process of learning a foreign language helped a student appreciate the building blocks of sentence structure in their own language. Besides, if anyone in management questioned her curriculum choice, she would just accuse them of being racist. But Friday already knew about the five tonal levels to imbue meaning in Mandarin, so she was using her time to work on her forgery skills. It doesn't look very convincing, said Melanie, looking over at Friday's work. It's a surprisingly hard signature to do, said Friday. Handwriting has evolved so much over the last 30 years, but Mr Abercrombie seems to have a particularly old-fashioned style. He writes the way people used to write back in the 19th century when they wrote with quills and ink. It's exceptionally hard to forge. Unless he learned handwriting back in the 19th century, said Melanie, then it would come naturally to you. There was a knock at the door. A messenger hurried over to Mrs Cannon and handed her a note. Mrs Cannon looked up at Friday. Oh dear, Friday, what have you done now? asked Mrs Cannon. I don't think I've done anything, said Friday, at least nothing more than usual. According to this note, you have to go to the headmaster's office immediately, said Mrs Cannon. Ooh, chorused the class. You're in for it now, Barnes, said Mirabella Peterson, because, continued Mrs Cannon, there is a police officer waiting for you. Ooh, chorused the class again, this time louder. I'm pretty sure I haven't done anything police-worthy, said Friday. If you want to make a run for it, we'll back you up, said Mrs Cannon. You could climb out the window, dash down to the swamp. We'll come up with a convincing cover story for your absence. It'll be a good exercise in creative storytelling for us, arguably even more relevant to the English syllabus than learning Mandarin. It's all right, said Friday. If the police are after me, I'm curious to know why. But thank you for the kind offer to hinder an investigation for me. Ah, pleasure, said Mrs Cannon. I do enjoy bamboozling the boys in blue. Or grey. Or green. Really, any man in uniform brings out the worst in my behaviour. Friday hurried over to the headmaster's office. She did feel more than a little sick with worry as she approached. If she wasn't being arrested, then the alternatives weren't much better. The only other reason the police could be there was because something had happened to someone in her family. You wanted to see me, said Friday, as she pushed open the headmaster's door. She was relieved to see it was the local police sergeant, not some federal agent standing in front of the headmaster's desk. Oh yes, uh, Sergeant Crowley has some questions for you, said the headmaster. I haven't done anything, protested Friday. If you have evidence that I have, then I'm being framed. Oh no, said Sergeant Crowley. It's not those type of questions. I'm not here to arrest you. I'm here to ask for help. From me, said Friday. Are the police allowed to ask children for assistance? This matter's too big to worry about the rules, said the police sergeant. If I get it wrong, it's my career on the line. I want to run the details of the case past you. I need to check if I'm missing something. 
Why me, said Friday. Don't you have other officers at the precinct? They're no help, said the police sergeant. They all think like police officers. I need someone with a different brain, because the facts as I see them don't make any sense. All right, said Friday. Do you have the case files here? I've got security camera footage I want you to look at, said the police sergeant. It's a very discreet matter, so I'd rather show it to you down at the station. Just understand, Friday, said the headmaster. You don't have to go along with this. You don't have to get involved with the police case if you don't want to. If the choice is to spend the afternoon at the police station or spend the afternoon in ancient history with Mr Braithwaite learning about things I taught myself five years ago, said Friday, that's an easy decision to make. Let's go, Sergeant. I'm sure an excursion to your station will be far more educational. When Friday and Sergeant Crowley got to the police station, he let her in the back door. The other officers don't need to know about this, said Sergeant Crowley. They're always getting their feelings hurt if I let one officer put on the handcuffs two times in a row, or if someone gets more of their fair turn of being allowed to use the siren. He led her into an interview room. Friday was surprised to see Mr Lee from the local supermarket was already sitting in there. A television and DVR were all set up. How is this girl going to help, asked Mr Lee. Is she some sort of extremely young-looking undercover detective? No, this is Friday. She's more of a consultant, said Sergeant Crowley. She thinks in a weird way. So when something weird happens, she's got a better chance of figuring it out. It all looks pretty straightforward to me, said Mr Lee. It's shoplifting. You've got to make an arrest. If that's the case, then I will certainly make an arrest, said Sergeant Crowley. But in this instance, I want to dot all the I's and cross all the T's first. Why don't you just explain the case to me, said Friday, and I'll see if I can be of help. All right, said the police sergeant. I'm going to show you the closed-circuit television footage from inside Mr Lee's shop. What you're going to see must not leave this room. You mustn't tell anyone. You were never here. Do you understand? Your use of hyperbole is irritating, said Friday, but I shall agree simply to speed things along. See for yourself, said Sergeant Crowley. He pressed play on the DVR. A grainy image flickered onto the screen, then pixelated into focus. It was a wide-angle view of the supermarket. Mr Lee's shop wasn't really a supermarket by normal standards, but in the small town it was the only supermarket so people referred to it as such. There were two aisles, and on the left-hand aisle a row of open refrigerated cases were lined up along the wall. The closest had ready-made sandwiches and yogurts for sale. The police sergeant was fast-forwarding through the footage, so customers seemed to zip in and out of the supermarket like adrenalised ants. Here we go, said Sergeant Crowley. He pressed play and the footage slowed to normal speed. There were two old ladies shopping for gravy in aisle two and a teenager at the back of the store picking out potato chips when an elderly man walked into frame. He was wearing corduroy slacks and a smart navy blue coat. From the back of his head, he seemed to have neat short hair and strangely, he seemed to be wearing a bad fake tan. Friday watched as the man walked over to the sandwich cabinet. He looked over one shoulder, then the other, as if to see if anyone was looking, then picked up three sandwiches, tucked them inside his coat and walked straight for the door. The police sergeant stopped the footage. What do you think? asked Sergeant Crowley. He and Mr Lee were looking intently at Friday. What is there to think? asked Friday. I agree with Mr Lee. It looks like a straightforward case of shoplifting. But here's the catch, said Sergeant Crowley. Do you recognise the man? No, said Friday. Should I? That is F.W. Blakehurst, said Sergeant Crowley. The billionaire, said Friday, immediately recognising the name. She had read it many times in the newspapers. F.W. Blakehurst had made his fortune in building and running hundreds of private hospitals around the world. But that looks nothing like him. F.W. Blakehurst has been portly in all the photos I've seen of him in the newspapers. This man's too skinny. That's him, said Sergeant Crowley. He's one of the top ten richest people in the country. 
and he went into the local mini-market and stole three sandwiches, said Friday. If it were only three sandwiches, I could live with that, said Mr. Lee. What do you mean, asked Friday. He's stolen 63 sandwiches, said Mr. Lee. He's been coming in every day for the last three weeks and stealing three sandwiches. And you're only doing something about it now, asked Friday. He's the richest man in town, said Mr. Lee. His household buys all their groceries from my store. That's hundreds of dollars worth of business per week. So when he started stealing sandwiches, I thought that he'd just get a bit senile. I let it go because he's such a good customer. So why are you bringing it to the police now, asked Friday. Because last week his new housekeeper stopped buying their food from us, said Mr. Lee. She must be driving into the city to do her shopping or getting it delivered by one of those internet companies. So he's not such a good customer anymore, said Friday. Worse than that, said Mr. Lee, he's escalated things. What do you mean, asked Friday. He started out just stealing ham sandwiches, said Mr. Lee. That's not such a big deal. My wife makes the sandwiches herself. The overheads aren't high. It's not a great loss for us. But in the last two days, he's taken things up a notch. He started stealing the prawn and avocado sandwiches. The ingredients cost a lot more. Three of those a day, 21 per week. That's a significant loss for our business. I see, said Friday. Let me watch the footage again. The police sergeant recued the video and Friday watched again, paying close attention to everything. The old ladies in the gravy, the teenager with the chips, and then Mr. Blakehurst entering and walking straight to the sandwiches, looking about, picking up three at once, tucking them away, then walking out, glancing about him one more time as he left. Pause it, said Friday. Take it back slowly. You've seen something, said the police sergeant. It'd be good if you could find some mitigating factor. I really don't want to have to arrest one of the wealthiest men in the country. Even if he is guilty of sin, he'll get some fancy pants lawyer who'll make mincemeat of me in court. There, said Friday. Freeze it. There. Now roll it forward super slowly. The footage was at the point where Mr. Blakehurst had started walking out. He was glancing about himself. Stop, said Friday. The footage froze with Mr. Blakehurst looking up straight into the barrel of the camera. So he's looking at the camera, said Sergeant Crowley. What's the big deal? He thinks I'm an idiot, said Mr. Lee. He thinks I don't check the security footage or that it's a fake camera. Well, he's got another thing coming. No, it's more significant than that, said Friday. Sergeant, you'd better call the SWAT team. What for, asked Sergeant Crowley. What you've got here is a hostage situation, said Friday. Are you sure, asked Sergeant Crowley. Why would a billionaire with a living housekeeper, steal three pre-made sandwiches that have probably been sitting around getting stale for hours, asked Friday. Hey, my wife makes those, protested Mr. Lee. It's no reflection on her if people have no self-esteem when it comes to what they're prepared to put in their body, said Friday. Can you please be less insulting to Mrs. Lee and get to the point, asked Sergeant Crowley. He's stealing three a day, said Friday, because he needs three meals a day. For three weeks, he hasn't wanted to eat the meals being prepared for him at home, because he's been poisoned. How can you possibly know that, asked Sergeant Crowley. See the orangish tinge to his skin, said Friday. It looks like a poorly applied fake tan, but it is actually jaundice, which is symptomatic of arsenic or heavy metal poisoning. This man is being poisoned. He realised it and is trying to take evasive action. So why not come to the police, asked Sergeant Crowley. The perpetrator must have a hostage, said Friday. But Mr. Blakehurst isn't married and he has no children, said Sergeant Crowley. Does he have a dog, asked Friday. From my experience, extremely wealthy people often care more about their dogs than they do their spouses. He's got an Irish setter called George, said Mr. Lee. He always used to tie it up outside the shop. But I haven't seen George for weeks. Three weeks. 
You must act swiftly, Sergeant, urged Friday. If I'm not mistaken, then not only is Mr. Blakehurst in danger of being poisoned, then George is in danger of meeting a nasty end. When the sergeant raided Mr. Blakehurst's mansion half an hour later, Friday was proved to be entirely correct. Mr. Blakehurst had begun to suspect his housekeeper was poisoning him a month earlier, but when he tried to fire her, she arranged for her brother to come and dognap George. She then told Mr. Blakers that not only was he not firing her, he was going to increase her wages tenfold, or George would be sent to the great farmhouse in the sky. Mr. Blakers then began to suspect that his housekeeper was poisoning him, partly because everything he ate tasted faintly of almonds, but also, after a while, because he started to suffer the symptoms of liver failure. So he began pretending to eat his food and stealing sandwiches from the supermarket in town. Thanks for your help, Friday, said the police sergeant as he drove her back to school. That could have gone disastrously wrong if I'd arrested Mr. Blakehurst. Or if he died of the poisoning, said Friday. Yes, that would have been bad too, agreed the police sergeant. Ironically, if Mr. Lee hadn't been so kind and generous in being prepared to turn a blind eye to Mr. Blakehurst's shoplifting, then poor George could have been rescued three weeks earlier, said Friday. The end. Thank you for listening to support this podcast then just go to your local bookstore or favorite online seller and buy a book by me r.a spratt there's lots to choose from from across the nanny piggins friday barns and pesky kids range until next time goodbye